0: The brand-new racing app for same-race multi-tips. Same racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet.
1: Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. On 882
0: 6PR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything. Hello,
1: my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories, brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything. My guest in this episode is an absolute legend of WA cricket, uh, and a legend from a time uh, that uh, really has gone down in history as one of the great periods of cricket, although he may disagree because he was on the receiving end (laughs) of some pretty torrid bowling, uh, particularly from uh, the West Indian Fast bowlers, that famous group of fast bowlers through the seventies, eighties, and nineties. I speak of Graham Malcolm Wood. Uh, Graham, thanks for your time. Welcome to the to the program. Thanks, Tim. Very pleased to be here. Uh, we'll reflect, I think, a lot on your uh, your playing days. But let's start with what you're you're up to now. What are you doing with yourself?
2: Yeah, still keep pretty busy. Um, involved at Christchurch Grammar School, I'm a director of cricket there, and I coach the first. So yep. do, um, that's sort of two and a half terms a year. I'm on the board at Gauge Roads Brewing. So, you know, had some really exciting times there in the last Mm. two or three years. In particular, where we're sitting now at the stadium uh, has been great for the brand, and uh, we're looking now to extend that into the East Coast. Um, Yep. So those two things, and uh, on a strata council, which uh, probably takes too much of my time uh, in (laughs) my apartment block, but uh, (laughs) and also uh, been very fortunate uh, from a family perspective that um, we've had two little granddaughters of of recent. Yep. Sienna-aged... Eighteen months, and uh, mm. our last one, little Genevieve, is uh, eight weeks old. So that that uh, fills yeah. the rest of the day. Keeps up, you
1: very busy, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do people still recognise you in the in the street and stop and want to have a chat? I must say, you, I suppose you you perhaps not as recognisable now that you've lost the mow. Yeah, the mow was on for about 25
2: years. <laughs> yeah. um, interesting story that, because when we first went to the West Indies, uh, I decided to, to grow the mow because yeah. I, I thought it would take around. Uh, seven or eight weeks to try and get something that was half respectable so uh it it worked and uh you had it for 25 years but uh but you you know you get acknowledged by people of of your sort of vintage and whatever and uh the gray hair probably puts a few people off now too (laughs) but uh no it's still nice to be uh, you know catch up with people in the street occasionally yeah
1: The, the mo was so strong though wasn't it when when you were there i mean probably half the team or more
2: yeah, we've a got a uh, we've got a photo of the stateside uh, Western Australia. When we're, I think it was in Melbourne, we're at a restaurant and Daryl Foster was coach, and we had the twelve players there. And I think there's only one player of the twelve plus the coach that didn't have a mow. So, Is that right? Yeah, they yeah. were very much in vogue yeah. at that stage.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. When when people um, want to chat to you though, what do they typically ask you? Do they want to ask you about the the great West Indian fast bowlers, most of the time.
2: Yeah, I think. Well, I, if I look back, I, I think I was very fortunate to play in a great time for yeah. international cricket and cricket for Australia also. You know, I had the pleasure to play with some absolute champions, and none better than Dennis Lilly, and mm. and probably Greg Chappell second mm. to that. But because uh, you know, there's that much cricket played now, whereas I think when we played, you know, if we had a one day international in a in a in a city like Adelaide or Melbourne or Sydney. That was a major event, mm. and the city sort of stopped to for that event. Mm. And, um, you know, I think that's missed now a little bit. But yep. uh, but certainly people ask about the West Indies, um, yeah. you know, just how quick they bowled and, you know, the fact that they had four in the team and they had probably a three or four waiting to get into the team. And, and I think a lot of them now still don't realise that um, my first tour to the West Indies was in 78. No helmets then. And uh, <laughs>
1: that just seems suicidal, doesn't it, it?
2: it? When you look back on it, and uh, you see some of the horrific things that have happened yeah. recently, uh, yeah. it's um, you know it, crazy. It, it's crazy, but mm. um, you know, obviously, it's great that they've been yeah. accepted now and uh, become commonplace.
1: Yeah, you lived to tell the tale. Yeah, we did. Am I right in, in remembering though that even you know when you did wear a helmet, you didn't wear a grill? That's right. Yeah, never wore a
2: grill. I just had the side side pieces. Yeah. Um, I don't think the you know, obviously the, the the mechanics of them now are, they're so light, and uh, yeah. Whereas then I think the grill was quite heavy, so I, I yeah. myself and I, th- I think Bruce Laird also didn't wear a, mm. a grill. We used to just uh, just wear the side piece, but yeah. um, I wore a couple. Because yeah. of that, but uh, certainly didn't get imp- impacted on the skull, which is uh, yeah. very pleasing. Yeah, and you had
1: the mo- the motor the protection. motor <laughs> <laughs> Uh Are you carrying any any residual injuries from your playing days at all? Did you come out of it fairly well unscathed?
2: Uh, the hand is not the left hand is not too flash. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had uh, an operation there to get my knuckle removed so I could actually bend my hand. So you've had a
1: knuckle removed.
2: Yeah. If, if, oh you, wow. You
1: can actually see that. But uh, I, I do remember re- reading something about you where I, I think it was after a particularly nasty uh, stint on the on the pitch there that your hands had basically swelled to about double the size of what they should be. Was it? Well, is yeah, that pretty common w- for you?
2: When it actually first happened, was it? it was in a Shield game? Uh, we were playing Victoria at the Wacker. And um, the doctor, I went to the doctor because I, I was seven, and I retired hurt at seven, and I went to the doctor in South Perth, and he actually took a, an X-ray of it and said, uh, Graham, it's not broken. You can go back and bat. Mm. So uh, I went back, had three or four needles when the wicket fell, and uh, ended up making seventy odd, and yeah, couldn't get the glove off. Um, and uh, It had an X-ray the following week down at Fremantle Emergency. It was actually broken in about three places. Oh so wow! I How did he mention, miss that? I won't mention the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, he obviously I, wanted you back. Oh, down there. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that was probably the worst one. I, I just you know the the time you put in running and getting fit and whatever took its toll on my knees. I've, yeah. I've had a knee replacement, which um, worked out really really well. Yeah. Uh, really pleased with that. So. Uh, but generally, no, pretty good. I'm, yeah. as I say, still involved uh, at, at um, my age at uh, school cricket. Yeah, still get out there hitting the catches and throwing yeah. the ball. So, uh, no, in good in good fettle.
1: Yeah, well, you you look at a picture of health, Jeez, um, which yes. is which is great. Yep. So, you, yeah, you still enjoy obviously picking up the bat and yeah, it's, smashing um, a few balls around.
2: Yeah, certainly. You know, it's it's an opportunity to put certainly you know something back into the game, and uh, I probably really enjoy more so the boys that are sort of in year seven, eight, nine, mm. you know, just looking at the, the look on their face when they, they, they improve and they, they play good innings or they, they get mm. three or four wickets and, and then trying to guide them through in, in the latter years in the Darlow Cup. Um, so yep. it's been a really pleasing aspect of my
1: career at the end. Yeah. Um, let's go from, the, from now to right back to the very start. Do you remember, you, know, when you, you mentioned seeing the, the look in the eyes of, of, you know, younger kids, year sevens and, and, and that sort of age. Um, what's your earliest memory of, of picking up a cricket bat and, and falling in love with the game?
2: Yeah, my, my father played cricket. He played sub, suburban cricket. Um, he, he was from the country. Um, so I, I went every Saturday with him. Yeah. Um, religiously, you know, in the car, off we'd go. And, and back then, you know, I was from Hilton Park, Hilton Park Primary School. Winter, you played footy. Summer, you played cricket. It was basically as, sim- as simple as that. mm But, yeah, I I got my early love for the game through my father and then, uh, you know, starting to watch Sheffield Shield cricket on TV. used to be on the ABC. You'd get home from school. You'd turn that on and watch that. And then obviously got interested in the Australian team and um, used to sort of idolise Ian Chappell and that Mm. that era when I was growing up. So, Mm. yeah, it it goes back really to those early childhood days and early primary school days where I started playing Playing cricket and cricket yeah. by my father,
1: and played footy pretty well too. I mean, there was was there a point at which, as a a young adult, where you had to make a call because you were, as I understand it, you were um, very highly regarded in the East Fremantle Football Club. Yeah, as a I, youngster,
2: I thoroughly enjoyed my football. Yeah, um, I think deep down, I always thought that cricket was going to be the way I was going to head. Yeah. But I, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to play league footy at East Fremantle when I was eighteen, so I, I had a couple of seasons there. Yeah, in the end, it, it didn't quite work out, and um, uh, I left East Fremantle when I was sort of nineteen. Alan Joyce was coach. Yeah, but I look back and I th- I think yeah, I definitely made the right decision. I, I would mm. say football was great. I loved the camaraderie of football yep. and the combatant nation, uh, nation uh, aspect of it. But um, I think yeah, all. Deep down, I really had the love yeah. for cricket.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, even though you were um, privileged enough to play a bit of backyard footy with none other than Brad Hardy, who was your neighbour? He was, yes. <laughs>
2: um, his side fence was our back fence. And uh, my brother, Dwayne, and his brother, Wayne, we used to have some fierce battles in the backyard. And Yeah. My my grandmother used to knit the, the jerseys, the state of origin and the Victorian jerseys. We've still got great photos of that and great memories. And wow. Um, still reminisce occasionally on on the odd
1: occasion with Bradley over that I bet you do, Uh, we need to take a break after that I want to ask you about uh, your early days uh, in the Australian Test cricket arena because it was a fascinating time wasn't it with the uh, emergence of World Series cricket that's right, Uh, a lot going on in in that period so well, we'll get into that after the break, this is Inspiring Stories Graham Wood
0: is our special guest 882 6PR, back with more soon you're listening to another inspiring story, brought to you by Barra and O'Day, because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR, brought to you by Barra and O'Day, because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring
1: Stories. Graham Wood is our special guest in this episode. Uh, Graham, you made your test debut at the age of 21. Yep. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty young. Yeah, it was
2: an interesting time for cricket in not only Australia but certainly the world, but more um, so impacted here in Australia. Mm. We had the World Series, which started, um, and I, I at that stage I was still playing district cricket, mm. uh, playing at university, and then there was a mass exodus of players, um, which included obviously from the state team too. So yeah. I got my opportunity basically through that, through the the, the World Series cricket starting. Um, and that first year i did you know pretty well in in the shield cricket uh, competition probably played six or seven games and then it was australia v india and they they actually brought bob simpson back to captain yep who was probably 41 42 years yeah. of age the series was tied two all and the the decider was in adelaide and um, then you had the rest day and you also had a stipulation that you could have an extra day to get a result and I was fortunate enough to have got picked for that last uh, last test match, along with Bruce Yardley, who made yep. his debut, and Rick Darling from Adelaide, who mm. I opened with. Mm. Um, so, yeah, really exciting. Uh, but, yeah, young, 21 years of yeah. age, and uh, we played that game. We were fortunate enough to, to to win it, win the series. Then we went off to the West Indies at, uh, as I say, at the age of 21. And, yeah. Uh, and I, <laughs> it's interesting. I, I was at a, a session with Cricket Australia this week, an induction for um, board members, and I actually asked the question of how many um, support players the national team has currently for, say, a squad of 15 players, and the answer was probably 11 or 12. Right. So support staff. Yeah. We went to the West Indies, um, and to quote Ian Chappell, the coach was what we caught to the ground. We basically had one... Official and that was the, the the manager. Yeah. Um. So we didn't have a coach. We didn't have an assistant coach. We didn't have anything like that. So that's the extent to where the game has gone yeah. from when I started then to where it is now.
1: That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have loved it uh, as much, you know, if you were a young man playing cricket now? Obviously, the pay packets are a, <laughs> a bit Pay juicy packets now. are uh, um, are very attractive, but, but I the way the game's set up now, and you, you know, there's so much of it. You, you know, you mentioned before about if there was a game here particularly in international it was an event and and packed out almost guaranteed to be full uh now that the calendar is relentless uh so many different forms of the game it seems a little bit more fragmented now would you have actually enjoyed playing cricket now as much as you did back then it's it's a you know very good question i i think probably not
2: you know the fact that you played a test series and then you had a bit of a break. And yeah. know, I, I spoke to Kim Hughes the other day and he was saying that he couldn't probably go through this the, the way it's played now. Yeah. And that's why we're, we're no doubt getting these issues with mental health and stress. Mm. And, um, because, yeah, it is relentless. Um, mm. you know, the, what drives cricket now is, is revenue that comes from broadcast rights. Yep. Um, everyone wants their piece of uh, the, the puzzle. So you've got the ICC who wants to put events in, then you've got the bilateral events, and you've got to pay back, you know, India or Bangladesh, whoever, f- mm. if you tour there, and they're going to tour here. So it's non-stop, and then you throw into the into the um, you know the the format there, the IPL, um, which is incredibly lucrative mm. for the players. So mm. yeah. it, it I could imagine the stress that's involved now with the modern-day player, and obviously Mm. that's why there are so many support staff that accompany the the team.
1: Yeah, they're they're actually needed. Yes. Yeah. Um, Tell me about those early overseas tours as a young man. You mentioned there's not a lot of support structure there in place for you. Um, Talk about a baptism of fire. I mean, going off to the West Indies particularly as a young man at a time when they were just so feared (laughs) –
2: yeah, it was, it was certainly a, a good wake-up call. Um, I suppose because I was young, and when you're young and you haven't experienced anything like that, you're probably more fearless. Yeah. Um, and every day is a, a bonus. You know, th- just to play for Australia was my, you know, that's, that was my aim as a, mm. from a very young age, and to get that opportunity and go and represent represent your country against the best in the world was Mm. something that um you know i just loved it yeah and at that age as i say you're probably fearless and you're not thinking about failure or you're just thinking Mm. about being successful and Mm. so uh, from that perspective yeah it was outstanding yeah you know very different to today obviously you know i was going out with my now wife you know we've been together for over 40 years she's still got some of the the, the letters that I used to write. Yeah, you know, you'd, right. write you'd send letters home. and You'd probably got home before the letters did, did you? <laughs> just about. And, you know, you'd make a phone call. You'd, you'd call once uh, a week, probably on a yeah. Saturday evening. It'd cost you $10 yeah. then a minute. Yeah. Um, whereas now, you know, obviously the access of social media and yeah. you know, Wi-Fi everywhere. And, uh, it, it's, I, I would say that from a team perspective, we would have been a lot closer because yeah. you're trying to entertain each other on, on a night Whereas now I think they sort of go to the team room and then they go off and do their own thing. And, yeah. you know, they've got so much access to mm. information and communication mm. around the world.
1: Yeah. Tell me then who were the, the the ones that you hated bowling batting against the most? Which box? I mean, let's just go through some of the names, you know, some of the greats that you would have spent time out in the middle, you know, batting, yeah. uh, facing up to, um, you know, Marshall, Holding, Garner... Well, uh, my first, ex- my first experience Walsh, was Ambrose, Roberts, yeah was, um, was Andy
2: Roberts, who probably is up there with the best of them. Yeah. And we were playing, uh, it was the first one-day international, it was an, at uh, Antigua, and the, the team stayed in the same hotel. Hmm. And I'd never met Andy, and we 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 lined up for breakfast the first morning, and I'd sort of said, G'day, Andy, how are you going? And all I got was a grunt, and I've gone, yeah. oh, my... <laughs> it's going to be a tough day at the office today. Yeah. But he he, he was uh, outstanding. Um, I think the toughest one for me out of all of them, in particular when he got the new ball, was Joel Garner. Yeah, you know, six 11, ten, eleven, um, hit the seam, went away from the left hander. I, I found him extremely difficult. He he was the best of those fast bowlers. Yeah. Um, I I didn't mind Marshall as much, whereas the right hander hated Marshall because he used to swing the ball away at you know he ninety miles an hour. Sort of swing it down your leg side it a bit. He used to yeah. come into me a little bit, so from that perspective, it was a, a bit better. Michael Holding was, uh, yeah, he was just poetry in motion. Yeah, uh, Patterson I, I thought was he used to just bowl straight. Yeah. So unless he had a wicket that supported him, uh, he wasn't too bad. But another one that was uh, quite difficult and probably like to hurt people more than he did to get them out was colin croft yeah um but you put them all into the package (laughs) for example we played a one day international at sydney and we used to have obviously have a team meeting the night before the match and we'd analyze the team and probably look at their five bowlers and who was going to be the one that we would target out of the out of their five bowlers to probably get you know 60 runs off the 10 overs and they had the their their team was Roberts, Holding, Garner, Croft, Marshall, mm. and we all looked at Greg and said, <laughs> "Right, Greg, which is the one of the five that we're going to target?" <laughs> but that was just it. Gave you the example of the, yeah. of the the depth of their fast bowling at that time,
1: and even at the top order, um, that uh, it was just a, a freakishly good team, wasn't it? You yeah, know, right. chains, you know, Dujon with the gloves on. it. it just a, a, a phenomenal team. Viv Richards. Viv Richards, Clyde yeah, Dujon,
2: Dujon was a really good keeper back. Yeah, amazing. And you throw in there Larry Gomes, who didn't yep. have the flamboyance, but was yep. just a great match for the, yep. the flamboyance of the other players, you know, around yeah. So, And the other thing that they did extremely well was their fielding. Yeah. So, to watch Viv... Richards Field, mm. know, just panther-like, picked the ball up and yeah. invariably hit the stumps. And if you nicked one there against the West Indies, uh, not too many got. Yeah,
1: gone. Yep. Yeah. What was it then that made you stand out, particularly against the West Indies? You know, when so many others just couldn't take that barrage of, of pace and uh, and, and seam bowling and and just the ferocity of their bowling attack as a as a whole. Uh, what was it that, that you brought to the to the crease that made you i suppose able to withstand that better than most around you
2: yeah i think a lot was the fact that living in perth you, you played on very good district wickets that uh, were a lot more bouncy and a lot yeah. quicker than the ones in the east so you as as a batsman uh, you got used to playing on the back foot mm. um, I, I always opened as a, as, a, as a as a boy Yeah, you know, in under 14s and 16s i always opened and i, I had quite a good uh, pull shot um, and yeah. the other thing is that, you know, I couldn't imagine playing cricket if you sort of had fear of the fast bowling. You know, I, I've had yeah, fear of failure, but I've never, ever thought of fear of being hurt. Um, I've always thought I'd have the ability yeah. to get out of the way. Or, yeah. So those sort of things. But I think importantly, playing here, playing at the Wacker, where it's nice and bouncy and yeah. you got used to your technique was uh, yeah. adapted to that, that type yeah. of bowling.
1: I've got a great uh, quote, I, and I love reading some of the old cricket writers from that time because yeah. the, the, the descriptions are so vivid, but it talks about your technique. It says, "I'm um, just bear yeah. with me here while I quote it. It said, uh, Wood had a stance built to combat express bowling. Tell me if you've heard this before. Feet splayed wide apart, bum sticking out, so square on that his front shoulder pointed almost to mid-wicket, as if daring the bowlers to aim at it. And when they did, he would hook without hesitation, whether there was no man in the deep or three. Bouncers would be swayed rather than duck. A ducked neck crane diagonally and eyes wide open, the ball grazing his moustache. <laughs> and on it goes. Who did write it's, that? I don't know. I should... Uh, yeah. You might want to get that chiseled into your tombstone when the time comes. <laughs> it might be a bit long, but, uh, yeah. And it goes on and on. It's, look, it's very complimentary. Right. I'll forward it on to you. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it talks about, too, how, obviously, just mentally how fearless and and tough you were and how you were uh, the man for a, a crisis yeah I, I probably tended to get picked
2: uh when the west indies um, were coming to australia and at that yeah. stage because they were so popular they were coming quite regularly yeah um whereas you know if you'd played against new zealand or maybe pakistan i, I, I didn't get the nod but uh that was fine i as i say i used to really enjoy the challenge and mm. uh you know, as i say having a, a a reasonably good hook shot. Mm. It, it did become difficult because mm. the fact that they would then put two down behind the, the square uh, squ- behind square leg made it very difficult to be able to try and hook and get away with it. Yeah. So that did curtail it. Unfortunately, you know, I'd love yeah. I would have loved to have seen the rule that you could only have one outside a certain area <laughs> yeah. behind square leg because I'd take them on then. But yeah. when they had two, it made it a lot more difficult. But mm. uh, yeah. I'd, say I think whether it's the football background you know the, the being in uh, a contact game but I certainly yeah. didn't have the fear which um, as I say I, I, I just hesitate to think what it would be like if you did have that fear
1: Well, yeah, I, I have one of my earliest and most vivid memories of going to uh, the Whacker as a kid was uh, I think it was a one day game I, yeah. I don't know, I remember it was a primary school so it was probably uh, early 80s um, and it was one of those classic scary, whack pitches The West Indies were bowling some pretty scary stuff. Um, the Aussies were going down, you know, very easily or, yeah. or just getting battered and bruised and you came out. And I, I can't remember how many you made, but it was uh, no disrespect for you. It was almost painful to watch because you were either going to Hit the next one for four or get killed. That's what it seemed like. <laughs> it, I remember the game vividly. I think it was a record
2: crowd for the time, twenty-eight thousand. Yeah, all the 000. kids had to sit on they the grass because there weren't the, enough seats for on everyone. On the grass, yeah. and uh, yeah, very very bouncy, fast wicket. And yeah. for for some reason, I was batting six that day. And as it turned out, uh, it was very very good to have bat six because yeah. I
1: was I was in early, but uh, mm. the, the early stuff had been got out of the way <laughs> before I got there. Yeah, good memories. Uh, we need to take a break. After that, I want to ask you about. Uh, the, the run-outs that uh, yep. were also a feature of your career as well. Uh, perhaps you remember them less fondly than, um, than your starring innings, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that anyway. Uh, Graham Wood is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories, back with more soon.
0: You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6BR. Brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. Graham Wood is our special guest uh, in this episode. Uh, Graham, we've talked about some of your uh, standout innings, uh, some of your scores, some of the uh, incredible bowling that you uh, had to withstand. Let's talk about the runouts. Um, one of the nicknames I think you had for a while was uh, the Kamikaze Kid. Kamikaze Kid, yes. yes. Uh, I think f- four times you run out in your first twenty-two Test innings. What's the story there? What happened? Did you okay. did you just uh, did you overestimate the um, the speed that your uh,
2: I think uh, yeah your that,
1: part, batting partners had, or that's
2: probably right. Because I, I, I was quite quick between the wickets. Yeah, and I was always on the lookout. To yeah, get a single, get up the other end. That mm. you know, I think good opening batsmen. You, what you try and do is get off strike. Yeah. Get the other, especially when it's a left and right-hander. Yeah. Um, when I first opened, I opened with Rick Darling. And, yeah. Uh, still, you know, great mates with Rick. And you know, we had, we had uh, when you watch the re- some of the replays, it's quite comical um, as to us diving around, <laughs> trying to get yeah. back into the crease and what the commentators were saying. But I, I, I think that was the, the key to it. I, I thought I could make it, um, but the other guys probably weren't quite as quick. And didn't say no. Yeah. Um, Rick always thought, yeah, I can get there. I speak to Kim Hughes about it. We uh, we often reminisce about it. And he always said that, um, apart from one occasion, which we'll talk about later, mm. but he always said he enjoyed batting with me because if he, he felt... He was fairly nimble yeah. on his feet, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, but he always felt if he couldn't make it, he'd say no and we'd go back. Yeah. Whereas um, some of the other guys thought, uh, no, we'll try and make it. And uh, either them or myself <laughs> just <laughs> missed out on it. But... Um, yeah, it's uh, it certainly has plagued me over my <laughs> career, and uh, a lot of people love to remind me of it. But, oh, but, yeah,
1: well, yeah. you mentioned you know your your mate Kim Hughes there. I think he still tells the story about uh, the time he got run out. It was a good says you know a good time in his life. His twins had just been born. He was playing well. Uh, I think he was playing here in Perth, and you know feeling like that day might have been his day. Maybe there'd be a double ton next to his name on the scoreboard, and. Well, you tell, you tell us what happened yeah, next. Yeah, I,
2: I remember the game vividly. We are actually, ex- it was in Melbourne. And <laughs> Melbourne, rather, sorry. We were, rather, we were sorry. playing India in a one-day game, and yeah. he actually went home to watch the birth of his um, twin boys. Yeah. They were his, his first children, and he flew in that evening, I think, got in very late, and uh, we, we woke up the next morning and caught up with him on the way to the ground and uh, walking over to the MCG and... Um, yeah, he uh, he came out to bat. I opened, uh, and he came in at about number four, I think. And uh, I think I reckon I, I I could tell he was very very tired and wasn't going to be very good for the team. So I thought I've got <laughs> run, to get run him out. I've got to run him out here and get someone else in. <laughs> and uh, I I did it beautifully because he
1: didn't even face a ball. No, <laughs> and he's, he's, I think he said uh, the, the, you were obviously on strike. You sort of punched one to backward point, yeah. yelled yes, off he took. You know, it went from thinking today's my day, maybe a double ton to he was five yards short yeah, of the crease. Didn't face the ball. Direct, direct hit, diamond duck on his way. I always remind him I
2: got 98 not out that day. We beat India and uh, he took one for the team.
1: <laughs> well, look, you're both still getting mileage uh, out of that story. Um, did it ever trouble you, though? I mean, because you did cop a bit of a bit of heat for it, didn't you, at the time? Oh,
2: certainly, yeah. It, it Yeah, it, it it wore a bit thin after a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as I say, if I would bat with certain people in particular, say someone like Kim or Greg Chappell, yeah. that was never an issue because they would just... Blow. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I was an aggressive runner. Um, <laughs> um, but in the end, yeah. I'd, I don't know the full, you know, s- statistics over my full career, but I think, yeah, it was probably worst early in my career and it probably mm. settled down later in my career. And, and definitely once I'd sort of finished test cricket and continued to captain Western Australia, it, it wasn't an issue. But, yeah. um yeah, that people, some people have got long memories, and uh, they still
1: <laughs> remind me of it. Yeah. maybe it was just the fact that you know you, your other um, teammates didn't want to get on strike to face, uh, right. to, get face to face face Joel Garner with a new ball. Can understand that. Uh, so it, it wasn't something that, that that plagued you as a kid then uh, playing cricket. You weren't the, the no. Kamikaze kid as no,
2: a kid. No, 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 definitely not. Um, yeah, you know, as a kid, I I was only uh, quite small and really the only way I could score at that time was to play pull shots, to, mm. to to be able to hit a boundary because I didn't have the strength to hit it through the field. And, you know, you, you reminisce with other people and, and yep. uh, you talk to Mike Hussey and he's exactly the same. And that's – so from that perspective, uh, you know, you, you didn't run too many short singles because uh, you couldn't get
1: it through the field or you couldn't get it into the gap. So yep. you just wait for the short one. So, yeah. Yep. Um, when you played more of your cricket, uh, you know, towards the back end of your career – with WA is a time of, of great success mm. uh, there as well multiple uh, Sheffield shields um, that must have been a, uh, as you reflect on your career a, a great highlight as well you know yeah, right up was. there with yeah. making tons for australia
2: yeah it, it, um again you know it was a controversial time when i played because when i sort of took over the team for western australia it was the time of the south african mm. departure and we lost you know 14 or 15 of the top players went to South Africa, and I, I don't think I was ever groomed to be a captain mm. when I was playing earlier. Um, and it got to the situation I think where they probably thought, "Well, we're looking at the list, and a lot of our senior players have gone to South Africa. Woody's probably the only one that could do it." Yeah. Um, so I was probably thrust into the role, but yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um. You know, the early the first year we won the McDonald's Cup, we had a really young team. We had some good. Good players coming through like Moody and Valletta and, mm. you know, Peter Capes and, you know, folks like Todd Bremen and mm. Andrews. And then we developed a very, very close-knit team and a very regular team, you know. I think mm. our top six hardly ever changed. Mm. Um, and and state cricket then, uh, if you're in the in the national team, you played eight out of the ten Shefford Shield games, mm. you know. So there wasn't this, if you're in the national team, you know, you've got another Shefford Shield side, basically. Well, yep. that didn't happen then. Yeah. And the great thing about Western Australian cricket was, they had we all had a love for the cap, and you know, yeah, when you come back from the Australian side, you wanted to play for WA, yeah, you know, you really were desperate to play for WA and have success. So yeah, that was you know from being a captain, that was a great uh, you know thing that I had in my favour. Mm. Um, fact that I was the consistent captain too. I I, I hadn't gone off to play Test cricket. Uh, um, at that stage, and I was captaining Western Australia virtually on a on a full time basis. So we got consistency in captaincy, we got consistency in our team, and yeah, we won th- three Sheffield Shields in a row, which yeah. is which is unheard of. And uh, you know, it was a, a yeah. We had a very good attack. We had guys like Reed and Capes and yeah. a bloke named um, Matthews who was mm-hmm. outstanding. You know, mm-hmm. he took fifty five wickets in two seasons. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we had a really good side. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was a beast, wasn't he? Yeah, he yeah. was. You know, he, he if he got it right, he was yeah. uh, certainly unplayable. Big yeah. swing of the ball, and when he got his action right, he was
1: quite quick yeah. and uh, could yeah. could thump it with the bat too. couldn't He He could. Yeah, he, he, he uh, put, put Ray Bright into the in, in the Gloucester Park, didn't he? Yeah,
2: that was he was. A, I sent him in as a night watchman the night before, and he got through. And um, then the first hour of the next day, he was just wasting time. And uh, yeah. I sent out a fairly terse message at drinks, and the big fella. Uh, Big Squatch was his nickname. He 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 cracked it and thought, "Oh, I'll show you." So he uh he, he took on Bright and he hit him through a six that went o nearly went over the Farley stand. And, yeah, uh, got a quick fifty. So uh, certainly the message worked and uh, message received. It was <laughs> there you go. But yeah, it was a great era for Western Australian cricket. But yeah. I, I was fortunate too to have come into Western Australian cricket with you know the likes of Inverarity and Marsh and Hughes mm. and Lily and and there was an expectation you'd win. Mm. You know. <laughs> Every time you played for Western Australia, in particular at the Wacker, you never mm. lost. No, um, so you know I think I played in six or seven Shefford Shield victories, and uh, it was a great part of my career. it's, yeah. uh, it's a very fond memory.
1: Yep. Um you, you mentioned the South African breakaway there, the, the Rebel Tour. Yep. Um, again, you you played in a pretty extraordinary time, didn't you? Early yeah. on, with World Series yep. Cricket coming and and just shaking things up, you know, and and, and having a Permanent effect on the game, really, and then the Rebel tour was every bit as controversial at the time, wasn't
2: it? It certainly was, and I was involved in the controversy because um, I initially said I was going to go to South Africa, yeah. And then uh, we were approached by um, Kerry Packer at the time, and there were four or three or four other players that were approached and said uh, we would like you to certainly stay, and yep. uh, yeah, it was a controversial time, and uh, yeah. You know, quite a stressful time at that stage. And uh, fortunately for the players that went, because they were all threatened to be banned from the game. Mm. And uh, as it worked out, they uh, once they'd completed their two years in South Africa, they come back and started playing for, for yeah, um, you know, first-class cricket in Australia. Were you glad you didn't go? In, in hindsight, exactly, because I'd I never have got the opportunity to captain Western Australia and would never yeah. experience that um, mm. you know, that um, success of captaining WA and being involved in, in that team. Yeah.
1: Uh, So much to talk about, but I want to hear what you've been up to uh, in more recent years. We need to take a break. Uh, We will be back uh, with Graham Wood right after this. This is 882 6PR.
0: You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6 br Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to WA's Inspiring Stories. We are hearing the inspiring story of Graham Woods in this episode. Uh, Graham, uh, tell me about the the time uh, when you were finishing up your playing career. Just what was going through your mind and, and whether you, you felt it was the right time, the right call to make.
2: Yeah, I, I suppose when... Y- y- I was fortunate back then to think that, okay, cricket's finished, you know, it's been a great ride, I've really enjoyed it, it's been very good for me, Um, but it's finished, Mm. you know, I've got to move on now and uh, got to get into something that um, I, you know, can have a career with and uh, I always remember um, approaching the Swan Brewery about an opportunity there and uh, the Swan Brewery at that stage said that I probably wasn't suited for the industry, uh, whereas... Why was that? I've got no idea to you this just, day.
1: You weren't, weren't drinking enough of, of no, the product.
2: have got no idea to this day, and, <laughs> uh, but CUB approached me, and for Swan to say that made me fairly determined, Yeah, uh, as you could imagine, and I started off, you know, at the bottom, I started off as a rep yep. um, with the with CUB, and then eventually the Fosters Group, and ended up running WA, and south australia and nt and um you know it was a it was a really good decision for me to go yep. with cub it was a career i i had, had great uh, enjoyment mm. it took me to a lot of events but you know leading people and in, in those three regions and it, in the end was basically number two in sales in australia so mm. uh, um, but I, what i did I, I as i say i just turned off i said that's it with cricket mm. it, uh, it it helped open a few doors in my new job but i I wasn't using it as a as a something to get me into
1: yeah certain situations. Swear, there is a nice a nice synergy between the two, isn't there?
2: Yeah, and I think that's what um, that's what guys have got to start to realise now. And you know, a lot of the guys will stay in cricket because they, they enjoy coaching or whatever. But yep. um, I think they've got to think about what is thereafter. And you know, as a board member of the Whacker and you know involved with Cricket Australia, we constantly encourage players to have something outside cricket, you know, be yep. studying for something or doing some part-time work because I know personally that when I wasn't working uh, or studying, my cricket wasn't as good because yeah, I right. was thinking about it all the time throughout the week. And then I'd go to the, the match and I'd basically played it over and yeah. five or six times in my head. It. So I was probably mentally tired. But when I was working and then going to cricket and vice versa, going cricket back to work, um... I'd function in both of those uh, far, much, far better. So uh, that's something that, um, you know, you look at an example from football, like Matthew Pavlich, for example, like he's done done his masters and he's studied throughout that and he's done something outside football. Mm. And it's very, um, as I say, it's It's high high on the agenda that it's healthy mentally. Mm. It doesn't get you involved in other things. So, um, you know, I, I think, if modern day players that uh, certainly don't want to stay in the game can look at something, then and, and once cricket's finished, they they take it on with gusto and, and say, say well, this is going to be yeah. my career for the next thirty years.
1: Yeah, and you spent a, a big chunk of your post cricketing life uh, at Foster's. Yep. Yeah, a, a, about twenty years. What what were you actually doing day to day? What was your what was your job? Yeah, well, I was responsible
2: for marketing and sales in yeah. the end for for those three regions, and uh, you know, obviously making sure we get numbers and setting budgets and. Mm. Um, you know, I had a, a fair few staff report directly to me and, mm. uh, at the end of the day, you know, you, you're responsible for numbers basically, mm. and you've got to make sure you achieve those in, in the right way, mm. um, and have the right culture in, in, in that organization to do, yeah. to do that. And also encouraging, you know, younger people to t- come in and join the company and yeah. like to see them progress through. And I certainly saw that on, on numerous occasions, which, mm. gave, which gave you a lot of gratification.
1: And you obviously enjoy a beer?
2: Yes, I uh I, I went into the wine industry there for about five years. Yeah. Um, which was a great education that was Treasury Wine Estates. Um but uh deep down beer man. You're a beer man. Deep, ultimately. deep down beer
1: man and now a craft beer man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <So> was, <laughs> <laughs> You've come back to it. That's it. Um moving into cricket administration yep. though, because you know, obviously you were uh the CEO of the Wacker yep. for about four five, or so four or five years. years yep. Five years, Five years. Uh, was that always part of your your plan uh, post cricket um obviously you've you've taken a bit of a a sidestep into into the beer world for a yeah. little while at Fosses, but was it always an ambition to get into cricket administration as well?
2: not really um, I was probably at a stage um where I was constantly being asked to go and relocate into the eastern states mm. I'm a Perth man. I'm a Fremantle man. Um, I I think it's a great place to live. You know, it's uh, Western Australia is the best place to live in the world. I d- didn't want to do that. Mm. I was on the board at the Wacker. Um, Tony Dottermade was um, CEO at that stage. He yep. had an opportunity to go to Victoria, so an opportunity arose, and um, Dave Williams, who was the chairman, spoke to me about it, and uh, I thought, yeah, but it's, it's totally new. Yep. Um, I'd love to do it for probably five years, and mm. that's what I set. That's, that's the goal that I set, and yep. uh, it was a great experience. You yeah, know, conducting cricket at the Wacker and holding, uh, you know, putting on events like the Ashes Test and the Test against India, and it was uh, it was a challenge at times because yeah. the Wacker, as you know, is a is an aging facility, and. Yeah. Uh, but yeah thoroughly enjoyed it had a really good staff there and uh, as I say, after five years I thought it was probably time to to yeah. go on and do something else and I think that's probably the tenure that you should look at yeah
1: I remember at the time you spoke a little bit about the frustrations around uh, redevelopment plans for the whacker and maybe that played some part in your decision to step aside from that role yeah and I, and, and here we are you know in 2020 we're still talking about yeah. redevelopment plans for the the WACA. um should we have Come to some sort of conclusion to that by now? Yeah, do you I, th- think? I think it was a good opportunity
2: there for the Wacker. Um, yeah. I think eventually, you know, the stadium is going to always hold the big events, and, mm. you know, it's a, this is a magnificent stadium, it's the best in Australia, maybe the world, and the big events should be played here. Yeah. But I, I always thought the Wacker, that um, Sheffield Shield and domestic one day games, you know, women's cricket, yeah. that should be always at the home of cricket, which is the Wacker. And we had the opportunity then to to uh, make it more financially viable by you know selling off those units but yep. in saying that it was taking a lot of my time yeah um when I was administering at the wacker it was probably taking 60 70% of the time which yep. i didn't join the wacker to be a project developer i joined there to hopefully develop cricket so yep.
1: i think it probably took its toll in the end uh, you mentioned that you are a beer man you did five or so years post wacker at, at treasury Wines. You're yep. now with Gage Roads, a, a yep. great WA brand and, and kicking goals yep. uh, at the moment. What's on the agenda for, for you and for them? Yeah, Gage Roads is, is exciting. Um,
2: we've obviously got the the rights here at the stadium, which has been a great marketing ploy mm. for, for Gage Roads. We're doing really well in Western Australia, um, but we've got to take that now to the eastern states, in particular Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, and uh, we've got things on... In plan, we're about to open a, a new venue in uh, in a hospitality and brewing venue in Sydney at Redfern, which will give us a real good base and uh, a locality for that region, and we'll probably look to do that in other, you know, in Melbourne and also into Brisbane yep. too. So exciting times for that. Yep. We're, it, it's a big organisation. We've really done great things with our plant and, and our brewery down, yep. down at uh, Palmyra, and we're basically the, uh, the biggest brewer in Western Australia.
1: Yeah. Uh, just to, uh, to wrap things up, Graham, just a few quick fire questions. Yep. We're, we're going to go back into your, your cricket days here. Um, but uh, I just wanted to ask you so, the, the, the scariest bowler you faced?
2: I think the scariest bowling on one occasion was here at the Wacker, and it was yep. Joel Garner. Yep. But he was playing for South Australia. Right. In a Sheff- Sheffield Shield game, we had Hogg from one end and Garner from the other. And yep. he bo- and I thought, I don't know how I'm going to score here.
1: Yeah. And it was just rocketing through to Kevin Wright, yep. who was their keeper. And uh, yeah, it was frightening. Uh, you, you made uh, nine test centuries, but the yep. best innings that you remember of yours. Um I've
2: got fond memories of the Hundred Lords because it's the home of cricket. Yep. But I think against the West Indies here in Perth, in front of my home crowd, in front of my family, my mum and dad and wife and that type of thing. I think uh, that that's really special yeah. for me. Best player you played with? Best player I, I think from a bowling perspective, no doubt Dennis Lilly. He yep. he was um out there on his own. He he just changed the game and mm. People just loved him and they come
1: to watch him bowl. Mm. Um,
2: You know, he's the best of all time from my perspective.
1: Superstar. Uh, Best player you played against, batter or bowler? Uh,
2: Batsman, I think, uh, in my career, there were three batsmen that were great batsmen. And there were only three batsmen that averaged above 50 at that stage. And there was Greg Chappell from Australia. Javid me and dad from Pakistan, and Viv Richards from the West Indies. And yeah. it's very hard to separate those three. <laughs>
1: three pretty big names. Very big. Um, I think that's uh, all my rapid fire questions. So thank you for playing along. Great. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for coming in and having a chat. Uh, good luck with, with everything going forward. Good luck with uh, your, uh, your work at Christchurch, although not too much. It's Trinity, yes. it's my old school. Uh, and good luck with Gage Roads cracking that uh, East Coast market and doing as well as you've, you've done here in WA. So uh, all the best with everything. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the inspiring story of Graham Wood here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another WA
0: inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Because the little things are everything. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.